hearts this morning and open our eyes to recognize that there is none like Jesus in all the earth and that we, through his blood, are able to have fellowship with our creator, the almighty God, with our savior, Jesus, with the Holy Spirit of God, the very heartbeat of God. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. And because of that, you can transform things that look dead and defeated. You can raise them back up again because there's nothing greater than you. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing stronger than you. You are the almighty God. So we thank you for working in every heart and in every life today in this place as people are joining us online that you Holy Spirit as you are hovering in this place moving in this place knowing every situation every circumstance you know every broken heart you know every confused mind you know every system that's into a habit they can't break an addiction and a substance that has a hold on them you know that and you have the power to change to bring peace to a confused mind, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captive. I thank you, Lord, to restore families. You're here to teach us and lead us and guide us in the Word of God, the holy written Word of God. So we reverence that. Father, this morning, we pray over our nation and its leaders where we're at today. Let there be a move of your spirit in our nation and an outpouring of your spirit begin to confront the hearts of leaders concerning righteousness for our nation. And those who will not open their hearts to righteousness, God, you said you'll raise up who you'll raise up. You'll bring low who you'll bring low. Those who exalt themselves are humbled. And those who humble themselves will be lifted up. It's a time in our nation that righteousness needs to be seen and exalted once again. And we pray, Lord God, that you would move in the hearts of the people of our nation to understand that in our nation, we're governed by and for the people. What the decision that the people are making now and even will make come election day will determine who is leading our nation. It's our choice that we would choose righteousness over personality. We would choose righteousness over our own personal comfort. We would choose righteousness. Put it in the hearts of people where their minds have been darkened, God. Open up light to our minds and our hearts. God, overshadow our president. Protect him in these days and the hours where there's constant barrage upon his heart and his mind. The things that he must do and even through the campaigning, God, he has daily decisions to make concerning our nation. Give him wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Surround him with wise counsel. We thank you, Lord, for moving in our nation, moving in the hearts of your people, raising up the church in this day and this hour to be lights in a dark place. Remind us of the authority that you have given to us 
You didn't say all authority I give to presidents and kings. You didn't say all authority I give to congresses and senates. You said all authority I give to the church over principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. So I thank you, Lord, that we will stand up and exercise our authority and begin to pray like we've not prayed before, calling down principalities, powers, and strongholds, rulers of the darkness of this world, that that darkness would be brought to naught and light would shine in the darkness and the deception that exists. The choices will be made according to light and not the deception of darkness. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing us to righteousness. For your word declares that righteousness exalts a nation. When the righteous are in power, people rejoice. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you and we magnify you. We thank you for your word and your spirit. And we declare that every heart, every life will be impacted and changed this morning by your word and by the spirit. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, church. How are you this morning? We're so glad that you're here, that you're joining us today, joining us by live stream. We are glad that you're here, Mika's campus. Uh, we're glad that you're here. I'm so excited to be with you live next week. And so uh, that's going to be a great time. We're going to have a great time together next week. So uh, I'm looking forward to being with you next week right there in Meeker. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a great day to be alive. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, I just, I heard of this young man. He was, uh, uh, he was looking for a horse. And so he came upon this Christian rancher who had this horse and uh, he was selling the horse, and so they negotiated a price on the horse. And the, the rancher said, now, I, I have to tell you something about how I raised this horse. And uh, uh, the only way you get it to go, you don't say giddy up. The way you get this horse to go is you say, praise the Lord. And he said, and the way you get this horse to stop is you say, hallelujah. And so the young man said, all right. And so he decided to go out for a ride one day. He saddled up the horse. He got on the horse. And he's like, he's kicking it. He's going, giddy up, horse, giddy up, giddy up. And the horse just will not move, rock solid, will not move. He's like, man, this horse, what's wrong with this horse? And then all of a sudden it dawned on him. Oh, yeah, that's right. So he goes, praise the Lord. Man, that horse, pew, just took off, man, at a full gallop. It's just running and running. He's having a good time. The, the, the boy's going, hallelujah. Or he's saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the And, man, the horse is just going faster and faster and faster. And all of a sudden he looks up and he sees, man, we're coming on the edge of a canyon. Man, he panics, and man, he pulls on the reins. He's like, whoa, horsey, whoa, horsey, whoa. Man, that horse doesn't slow down at all. It's just coming, and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And then it dawns on him, hallelujah. So he says, hallelujah, and that horse just digs in, comes to a stop right on the edge of the cliff. Boy, looks over the cliff, and he goes, whoo, praise the Lord. <laughs> Look over at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory. Under every circumstance, in every situation, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Whenever we come upon uh, Pastor Appreciation Day 1, we never know uh, that it's coming. 
And so it's uh, such a, a wonderful time for us. Um, at the same time, it's a difficult time for us because we acknowledge and I acknowledge, first of all, uh, certainly we could not do it without the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. I could not um, have pastored the church for almost 29 years without Pastor Tasha by my side and her faithfulness and dedication to the call of God for our lives and raising our girls and all that and all that she's put into it and put into your lives and the church and uh, really stirring up the gift that's in her to be a benefit to you all. And so um, that's so important uh, to me, to us, and really to us as a church. And we can't do it without our staff uh, that really surrounds us and works very hard. Can't do it without all the team members who work in the nursery, the children's church, the jail, all the places where we're reaching out. And you are doing that. And, uh, and so, you know, for all those aspects of what you do, we appreciate you. And uh, we truly do appreciate what you do. And so, uh, you know, this day is always a humbling day as you appreciate us and we appreciate the cards and all the things that you do for us at the same time when we read them and are thankful and appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate you because we couldn't do it without you. And so, uh, you know, Alan has been with us for so many years and, and is such a uh, really, you know, a rock solid pillar of the church. And so, you know, when he said, you know, I don't know if I'm done, how many of you just appreciate the offering of messages that come to us? And really, you know, when he called and he said, you know, I'm really praying about this, and I knew he was very uh, heartfelt about that, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to say, what are you thinking <laughs> right now? Um, but I knew, and so we just talked about it. But, you know, it, our vision is every member in their place. And he has such a vital place here in presenting that to you. And the blessing of God and God's word concerning that, he's anointed to do that. It takes so much off of me and, you know, concerning those things. And it takes a lot off of you so you don't have to have me for the offering and the message every week. And there's just so many dynamics to it. And so we appreciate him and our staff and our board and all the people because we could not do it without you. I do just want to say this for sure. For any of you that feels in your heart that you want to bless us, because last year he talked about hugging and cozy and a double snuggy, and he swears he didn't send it, but the next day or two days later, we got a box with that double snuggy. And we like it, and Lola likes it. If you send me a cat, the cat will not make it. <laughs> I'm, I'm stating that as a fact. Anybody who's new that thinks, oh, awesome, we'll get them a kitty. They love cats. The cat will not make it. <laughs> and the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I'm so glad that Alan is strengthened this morning, getting joy out of that. But for some reason, he likes, to present, he likes to present those things that are, as my favorite, that are not. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. Although in the last year, I've become much more of a hugger, but I can guarantee you, over a year process, I will not learn to love cats. So, let's get into the Word. Open your Bibles to... Hebrews, the third chapter. We want to pick up 
where we were last week, what about now? And God declares some things that are about today that I believe are important for today and, and where we're, what we're facing today as believers and how we handle the things that we're facing today. And in fact, in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Listen, we're holy brethren and we're partakers of a heavenly calling. Come on, as the body of Christ, we are partakers. We're holy brethren. We're sanctified by God to be together and we're uh, called to a holy calling. He says, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He goes on to say some other things that you can read, but I want to jump into verse 6. He says, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence or the faith and the rejoicing of the hope firm till the end. So he's talking to us about something and holding something to the end. And in verse 7, he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, everybody say today. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. And they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, beware. In other words, if you're caught off guard, if you're sleeping, if you're just going through life, if you're just caught up in, in the course of this world, you won't understand. He says you have to be beware, be awake, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He said, listen, we can go through life and say, I love God, I love God, not being aware that something is being developed in us today, a heart of unbelief. A heart that starts departing from the word and the ways of God. It starts developing. The enemy is subtle, and he begins to try to move us in a subtle way. And so he says, today, we have to beware, lest all of a sudden we find an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 13 says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Exhort one another in what? Exhort one another in God, in the word of God, in the plans of God for your life. Exhort one another in what God has for you. Exhort one another in what the blood of Jesus has done for you in changing and transforming your life. While it is called today, everybody say today. Amen. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What is he saying? Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus and the word of God, the living word of God, is the beginning of our faith and the end of our faith. And the enemy will try to get you off course in the middle, but we hold fast to those things. Verse 15, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. It goes on to say that they heard the word of God. They didn't obey the word of God. They heard the word of God. They did not mix it with faith. But for a moment, I want to just go back to verse 13 where it says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We read over that, but you have to be aware today as much as ever before. You have to be aware of the day that is upon us, the day that will come in, in 10 days, nine days, whatever it is now in election day. Some of you have already participated in that. But I'm just going to tell you something about the deceitfulness of sin. If we look around, even in the church today, if we look around, we have taken almost as a norm the aborting of unborn babies. 
we have just come along and it's happening and it just is happening and they took a survey they said people don't want to overturn that the majority of people don't want to overturn that listen church if we just accept that our hearts are getting hardened in departing from the living God Come on, the, 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 the whole idea, the spirits behind it are saying, listen, a woman has this, this, this right to do what she wants to do, and, and it, it tries to make sense, but it goes against God. And what we have to understand is, listen, this has been a strategy for, of the enemy over and over again throughout the scriptures that the enemies of God's people will begin to kill the children and destroy a legacy and a generation. And if we just act like that's the norm... We're hardening our heart through the deceitfulness of sin. Come on, when things are presented to us concerning homosexuality, and all of a sudden we lock up because everybody said this is the norm. It sounds like love. It sounds like relationship. But the Bible says it's not what God created us to be. We've become hardened when we push back, even as Christians, against that. We're saying, listen, I don't care what you said, God. It's about how I feel and the other things that have been presented to me. Even the church, we, without thinking, he said, watch out, beware, lest your heart be hardened. Some of you have to beware right now. You're wondering what to think about what I'm saying right now. Because the world has pushed up against you. But it's vital that right now we look and we say, listen, I'm not looking at what makes me feel good. I'm not looking at all this stuff. But if these things are going on, in the world today, the critical issues that are taking place, understand this, the ideas of how they're educating our children and grabbing a hold of our children is critical to understand that they actually want to do it from the cradle to the grave. They want to control the education from the preschool toddler clear through to your career and how that goes. Why? Because they know if they can capture that, they can take the unborn, the ones that are born, they indoctrinate them in that way. It's not people, it's spiritual forces of darkness. And we have to beware of our heart becoming calloused to those things and other things like them. It's very difficult when the world presses in and starts to rub against you that you don't just start to accept and go along with it without even thinking about it. And Paul told the Roman church in that way where he was saying, listen, when he began the church at Rome, he said, you've gotten into things that you may think of God. You, you say you know God, but you refuse to retain him in your thinking. And so you've left the natural affections of, of a man for a woman, and you've changed it to a man for a man. He addresses those things in the word of God. And then he goes to say, listen, be careful that you are not conformed to this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that we as a people might be able to approve the things that are perfect and acceptable before God. God doesn't want us hardening our hearts because of the deceitfulness of sin. It's deceptive. It wants to lull you to sleep. It wants to bring some sort of rationale 
to it, but it's the underneath. And right now, if we, do, if we only listen to the voices of men who bring something that seems rationale, it seems soft, it seems kind, we as the church have to see beyond that and see the core of what things are going on. And if we allow those things to infiltrate and take hold of our nation, they will destroy the call that is upon our nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin will bring a nation down and bring it to destruction. Why? because the enemy, his only purpose is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came to bring life and to bring life more abundantly. We'll see if you appreciate me after today. Praise the Lord. Come on. All right, turn over to Matthew. I want you to see a couple of things because it's very important to understand these things about how we keep from getting there and what we want to be taking place in our own heart and in our own life. And what we do understand, and I want to make this clear for every single one of us, as Paul said to the Ephesian church, he said, listen, we don't move around. We're not controlled by, by the course of this world, which is dictated by the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in sons of disobedience, in which we all once conducted ourselves. If you're in this room and you say, well, wait a minute, some things I've done, some things I've said, some things that I've acted upon, how do I take a stance against that? If you've been born again, it's of the past. The guilt and the shame of that needs to wash away with the blood of Jesus. Don't think you have to accept something because you once did or accept something because how can I tell somebody it's wrong if I've done it? That's the power of the blood. Don't allow the deceitfulness of sin and the voice of the enemy to say you cannot stand for righteousness because at some, some time you've made a mistake, sinned, and come against unrighteousness or uh, uh, um, uh, participated in unrighteousness at some point. That's what the blood of Jesus is for. We still stand for righteousness. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13. Many of you are familiar with this, but in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 14, he says, and in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive, for your hearts, for the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I can heal them. Listen, God wants to do something amazing. He wants to. Sometimes we read this and say, you know, because it begins, and the disciples said, tell us this, tell us about the sower. And he said, to you it's been given to understand to them it has not. And then he explains why it has not. Not because God withholds it, because their heart has become dull. Even if he told them, they wouldn't understand. When we allow a hardness of heart, that's why he says today, listen, right now, Jesus is the son of the house. We are his house. He's overseeing that. We have a heavenly calling. We are holy brethren. He expounds upon that. He says, so today, you have to be careful to listen to the voice of the Lord and not harden your heart. Because even if the spirit of God is talking and your heart is dull, your heart is hard, you will hear, but you won't understand. You will see what he's doing and not perceive. But he said, the moment that your heart is open, you will hear and perceive what he's doing. 
Listen, God, in this parable, he says, I want to plant things in your life. I want to plant things in your heart that are going to grow up and be fruitful. I want to plant miracles in your life to make you effective. But if your heart is hardened, I cannot plant the seed needed in your heart and have it produce fruit. Hosea chapter 10 Verse 12 in the New Living Testament, or New Living Translation, it says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard grounds of your heart, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Listen, God doesn't want to punish you because your heart's been hard. He said, I can't reward you when your heart's hard. But if you will go ahead and sow good seeds of righteousness, and if you will plow up the fallow ground, the hardness of your heart, he said, I will shower blessing upon your life. He said, I will shower righteousness upon you. That's what God wants to do. Listen to this in, in Psalms 25, verse 14. I love this. He said, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. God wants to share secret things with you. And what he's saying is when your heart gets hard because of the deceitfulness of sin, even if I share it with you, you won't understand what's going on. So plow up, break up the fallow ground of your heart because I have some secrets that I want to tell you. I want to have secrets that will plant miracle-working power in your life. I want to tell you things that if you don't harden your heart, will actually bring miracles into your life. In 2 Kings chapter 5, if you'll remember this, it's the story of Naaman. He was a mighty warrior in Syria, Syria and a, a man who was highly regarded, but he had leprosy. When this one, uh, girl in Israel was taken captive, she became a maid to Naaman's wife and Naaman, who had leprosy, was wondering what the answer was. The maiden, I'm going through this pretty fast, but you can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, or 2 Kings chapter 5. And so the maiden of his wife said to Naaman, there is a prophet in Israel that I think can help you. So Naaman, he gets his stuff together, and he goes to find Elisha. And when he finds Elisha, Elisha didn't even come out of the house. Naaman's a great man. He, he's used to respect and honor. And the prophet of God didn't even come out. He sent his servant out and he said, Naaman, if you'll go dip in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be healed of your leprosy. And right at that moment, Naaman began to harden his heart today. He got angry and he said, I will not do that. He got mad. He got ready to leave. He said, what I expected, come on, now listen to me. This is where hardness of heart starts to take hold. What I expected is that the prophet would come out and honor me with his presence, wave his hand over me, and somehow magically clear up this leprosy of my skin, and I would go home. But instead, he tells me to dip in this dirty river. I can go home and dip in a clean river. Why would I dip in some dirty river? This is not the way that I would do it. I'm going home. And his servant chased after him and said, I'm, I'm not getting you right now. If the prophet would have come out and spoke to you and given you something hard to do, 
you would have done it. How is this so hard to do? And it dawned on him, no, it's not a hard thing. And so he went to the Jordan River and he dipped seven times. And you know, as Christians, I don't know what we're thinking. He probably went down three times and went, this ain't working, man. I'm just getting dirty. I am not getting healed. But he kept going three times, four times, five times, six times. Seven times he dipped, he came up totally healed. In fact, his skin was like a baby's skin. Because he didn't harden his heart, God planted a secret in his heart that brought a miracle of healing to his body. Now listen, in Genesis chapter 4, and God said, y'all need to bring the offering to me. Cain and Abel, you need to bring an offering to me. And Abel, his heart wasn't hardened. He brought a sacrifice of meat and of his herds. And Cain said, well, I don't want to go exchange my, 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 the fruit of my ground for a lamb, and so I'm just going to bring God the fruit of the ground. That's my sacrifice. He had hardened his heart. He said, God should accept life my way. See, Naaman said, listen, this isn't the way I would do it. This isn't my way. Thank God somebody came and said, wait a minute, don't harden your heart right now. Your miracle is in not hardening your heart and obeying what God said because God has a plan for you and it may seem secret to you because it's not your way, but it's God's secret about getting you to obey and walk in a miracle. Come on, I believe there's miracles in this room today, but God's telling you to do something that's not the way that you would do it, and you can't harden your heart to that, but you have to believe God and obey God because he has a miracle waiting for you. He has something to transform your situation. But what we do many times is we're like Cain and say, why can't God do it my way? And we see Cain did harden his heart. And God warned him. He said, listen, don't harden your heart. He says, sin is knocking at the door right now. But you, listen, this is before Jesus. This is before the authority that, this is a key for us to understand. We can pray and say, I have authority over you, devil. I have authority over you, devil. But obedience to God exercises authority over the devil. He said, sin is waiting and its desire is to have you but you can rule over it right now by softening your heart, knowing that I love you, knowing that I have an inheritance for you. And Cain got angry. God said, why is your countenance fallen? What are you angry? You know what's right to do. Just do what's right, and you'll overcome the sin that is seeking to destroy you. And he said, this isn't the way I want to do it. God, you should do it my way. His heart got hardened, and he ended up living as a vagabond. He ended up living wishing he could die, but he couldn't die because of what disobedience and sin grabbed a hold of his life. Beware lest you get a hardness of heart through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will always tell you, don't do it God's way. Do it your own way. But it's not your way. It's the way somebody else has gone. Somebody else has done that path before. It's a big deal. God will come to you and he'll say, he'll try to whisper a secret. 
right? Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And when your heart is hardened in the Spirit of God, that still small voice of the Spirit of God is talking to you. When your heart's hard, you can't listen, and you miss a miracle. When God whispers in your heart, you're like, God, I need healing right now. I totally need healing right now. And he says, just a secret, I have a secret for you. Your healing is in forgiveness. But God, I can't forgive. What I think you should do is I can be able to go to church and you talk to Pastor Mark and have him lay hands on me and then I'll be healed. And he said, no, I got a secret. That's not the way it's going to happen. But if you'll forgive, your healing will take take hold. God, prosper me. Do something. There's this whisper secret. See that person over there? I want you to go ahead and take what's in your pocket and give it to them. Give it to them. I know them. They don't need any money. I need money. Why would I give it to them? It's not the way I would do it, God. The way I would do it was have them come give money to me. He says, that's why it's a secret. That's what everybody else would do. This is how I speak my secrets, but you have to honor me and reverence me. Have an open heart to me. How do we get there? All right, turn over to Psalms chapter 1. Y'all doing okay? Come on, thank you, Lord. Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in its season, whose leaves shall also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Listen, he just said God has secrets for us that he wants to bring to pass. He says, well, we talked about this last week. Watch the company you keep. Listen, the company you keep are the people who will be speaking in your ear. They'll either be giving you counsel of the ungodly, they'll be encouraging you to walk in the paths of sinners, or they will be scornful. They will start to talk to you about how good you're not, how you can never achieve, how you can never rise up, how you can never be healed, how you can never prosper. You don't understand where you came from, where you are, what you've done, the mistakes that you've made. You say you can't even listen to that stuff. You have to begin to look at the Word of God. You have to begin to look at the Word of God and meditate in it day and night. Meditate in it day and night. So that you may make your way, as Joshua chapter 1 says, listen, be strong and very courageous. Don't let this book of the law depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Meditate in it day and night. You'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. There's something in the power of the word of God. It keeps over and over and over. talks about the success that it brings. I love when Tasha said, don't you love Sunday? Success begins on Sunday. Why does it begin on Sunday? Because we get renewed. We get rejuvenated. We get the word of God planted in our hearts. And if we'll walk it out every single day, God will do something with that obedience to produce success. Yeah. 
He talks about meditating on this word day and night and night and day. And it's just so powerful to understand what God is doing and how he wants to bless our lives and take us to a whole new level. Praise the Lord. He begins to talk about the plans that he has for our life. And so as we meditate upon the word of God, what was he telling Joshua to do? He was telling Joshua, listen, there is a generation that has gone before you. And they did not meditate on my word. And when they were confronted, they lost courage and became afraid and hardened their heart out of fear and did not possess the land. So you are going to have to get into my word and you're going to have to confess it day and night. And when they talk about cities and valleys and, and, and giants in the land, he said, you're going to have to renew over and over. You know what? I am who God called me to be. I am a mighty warrior. God gave us this land. God said we would possess this land. And he meditated in it day and night and night and day. And in this word are secret things of God. See, I read it. I think it happened like 2,000 years ago. How does it apply to me? Because it's alive and there's secret things in this for you. And listen, in meditating in the word day and night and night and day, when it was time to cross over and take the first city, God told Joshua the most amazing thing that he wouldn't have planned on. How are we going to take Jericho? It's a walled, mighty city, God. How are we going to take it? How do you want me to firm the armies up to take the city? And because he had meditated in the word of God day and night, he was familiar with the word of God. His heart was soft to God's plan for his life. God was able to tell him a secret. He basically said, listen, the victory is yours and the battle is mine. I'm sure Joshua said, what? He said, the victory is yours, the battle's mine. Trust me with the battle. Yes. Yes. See, if his heart would have been hardened, he never would have trusted him. If he would have been like the generation 40 years before, they would have said, no way, God, I'm not doing it that way. He said, what, God? If the battle's yours, tell me, what do we do? He said, you get the people out there and you line them up. And you tell them not to talk to each other. Don't allow any doubt and unbelief. And you just walk around that city. You do that every day for a week. When you get done walking around that city, I want you all to just, once you get there, I want you to hold hands and I want you to shout. As the commander of the armies of God going against a walled city, Jericho, he had the opportunity to say, are you kidding me? That is not how I would do it, God. We are vulnerable. We have no weaponry. How in the world is this going to work? God said, trust me. It's my secret to be revealed. He said, all right, God, we'll do it. We'll do it, God. And you know the story. They walked around the wall. They shouted. The walls of Jericho came down. God caused them to possess the land. Now listen, we'd go, whoo, whoo, that's it. But Joshua stayed meditating in the word day and night, night and day, because God, he knew, he needed secrets. They came up after defeating Jericho, a mighty city, went against Ai, which wasn't a mighty city. It was much less of a city. They should have taken it themselves. And they got defeated. 
They got defeated by something small. How often do we come up against something big in our life? We're like, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. God helps us. And then all of a sudden, something we should be overcoming kicks our butt. We're just like, what? But he was softened to God, and God told him a secret. God said, Achan took spoil from Jericho that belonged to me. He's disobeyed me, and he's got it under his tent. And Israel will continue to lose every battle until you stand for righteousness and eliminate this act of disobedience from your camp. Sounds brutal, but the whole idea was Achan hardened his heart and said, I know God said, this is all his, but why? It's just going to sit here. Nobody will know if I take a little. When you take a little of God's, your heart gets hard. Then you don't hear the secret things that bring miracles into our life. He said, listen, we have to beware today lest there be in any of us a hardness of heart that would cause us to depart from the living God. We have to be careful that when we get in a hardness of heart by the deceitfulness of sin, we accept sin and the ways of the world as normal and the ways of God as somehow crazy and undoable. But we meditate in the word day and night and night and day and we accept it as it is in truth, the word of God, and it begins to penetrate our hearts and begins to break up the hardness and the fallow ground of our heart. God can begin to whisper direction and secrets that create miracles and overcoming. God has a secret for your marriage. God has a secret for your employment. God has a secret for your career. God has secrets about the gifts and the callings in your life. God has something about your healing. God has a word. He has something. The secrets of God. They're not exposed. The devil doesn't know them. People don't know them. Sometimes doctors and lawyers don't know them, but God knows them. And they're not the ways of this world. They are the ways of the kingdom of God. Today, today while I'm speaking to you, Today when you hear the news, today when somebody attacks you, today, what are you going to do? Are you going to harden your heart? Are you going to say, I'm going to let that go because I trust in you, God? Am I going to meditate on what somebody said to me over and over and worry about it? Or am I going to put that aside and meditate in his word? Am I going to look at my checkbook and get concerned and worry and stress? Or am I going to go ahead and read the word of God and meditate on his prosperity and his success? Am I going to meditate on how my body feels in this situation or am I going to meditate on by his stripes I was healed and if I was healed then I am healed. I know that he declares that healing is the children's bread and I am a child of God. It's a rightful possession of mine, healing and wholeness. I don't know if I can meditate on that. Sure, you're meditating on something all day long, but it's usually something that the enemy's planted. God wants you to take that word of God, meditate on it. And when you have a soft heart, not a hard heart, that word, 
that you're meditating on. That self-talk. Meditation is self-talk. That self-talk. Are you complaining about your wife or are you saying what God says about your wife? Are you complaining about your husband or are you saying what God says about your husband? Are you complaining about your boss or are you saying what God says about your boss? Because I'm telling you with that hardness of heart and complaining, nothing will happen. The enemy will destroy you. But when you open up your heart and you break up that fallow ground and you meditate on the word and you agree with God, you yourself are planting seeds in your heart that God plans on growing up and producing 30, 60, and 100 fold. God has a future and a desired outcome for you, and it's right here, and it's planted in your heart where righteousness prevails and not wickedness, where reverence of God prevails and not wickedness, where we've allowed the deceitfulness of sin not to harden our hearts, but make us make a stand for righteousness. And then God says, get into my word, rejoice in it, delight in it. Put value in it and speak it because when you speak it and hear it, it lodges in your heart and you believe what you say. If you begin your self-talk to say, I resent my spouse for the things that they've done, I'll never be able to forgive them. You plant that seed in your heart and it will produce fruit and break up the very plan and strength that God planned for your marriage. But when you say, listen, I forgive them. God, you have a plan for us. They are your son. They are your daughter. I know that you can deal with them. We will rise up and have the marriage that you plan. You plant that seed and it will come up and produce fruit. When the ground is good. This is our faith. Our trust in God. Our belief in his word. 1 John 5 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Why don't you stand up with me? Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we magnify you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, in this place, where there is any hardness of heart, in any way, shape, form, or fashion, we become dull of hearing because we think we've heard it so many times. We've allowed what the world has said in the deceitfulness of sin to cause us to argue against the plan of God because in our mind, it's made sense to us. Offenses that might have taken hold because things didn't go our way. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to wash over each one. To do what only you can do in a willing heart, and that is break up the hardness and the hard ground of the heart. The seeds of righteousness would fall in there and create success for every life. With every head bowed and every eye closed before we go home, if you're here today and say, you know what, I need success in life, but I don't know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you an opportunity today, this morning, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It doesn't matter if you've attended church all your life. The key is, have I accepted Jesus and said, you be the Lord, you be the master. I want to go your way, not my way. If you're here this morning, you say, I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Today's the day of salvation. Raise your hand. If you're watching online, today is the day of salvation, day of healing, a day of deliverance, a day of freedom, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father God, I come to you today 
and I repent of my sin. I ask you, to, ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe that you died for my sin. God raised you from the dead so that I could be forgiven. I declare you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that for the first time, even if you didn't raise your hand, there will be altar workers up here to give you a packet. If you're watching online, you prayed that for the first time, go on uh, to our app and the, the tile that says share your story and uh, tell us that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so we can give you some, get some materials to you to help you along your way. Once again, thank you for everything. Uh, say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus... Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Oh, before you leave, uh, just 